Matthew 24, verse number 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, don't miss that phrase, the days before the flood. Now we already know, if, if you've been around church very much at all, in Bible typology, the flood is a picture in typology and a foreshadowing of the great tribulation. But this scripture doesn't say during the great tribulation. What does it say? For in the days that were before the flood. That means this is what's going to take place, Brother Jesse, in the days before the great tribulation. Before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I've got some thoughts on my heart that I believe I have a message from the Lord this morning, and it won't be any profound new thought, it won't be any profound new idea. It's just simple Bible truth. But I want to talk to you on the subject as a plea this morning. Please don't miss your boat. When you speak of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be fundamentally rooted and grounded in some understanding about what that's talking about. Fellows, some of you have been builders. Some of you built houses. Brother Mark, it's a little bit difficult when you just talk to somebody about building a house to picture in your mind. I have great difficulty, Jimmy, when you're talking about excavating land. What's it going to look like after you put a D9 caterpillar on that thing? And, and I mean, what's it going to look like? But Brother Mark, once you have got that footer dug and you've got that footing poured, Danny, you can go in and you can look and you can see what that house is supposed to look like, how it's supposed to shape up. And the fundamentals of the faith means the foundation. And God's given us the foundation. And Johnny, if you understand the foundation, but Mark, if you can see the footer that God's already poured and laid out for us, that will help you understand how this book is supposed to fit together. And if you don't have your foundation right, then you're going to misinterpret other scriptures and you'll have this thing put together all cattywampus and you won't know what goes where. But if you understand the footer, there are a first and a second advent of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of us understand very readily that the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ entails the Lord Jesus as he comes to this planet earth and sets up his kingdom and judges ungodly men and the Lord will rule with the rod of iron from Jerusalem physically on this planet, physically in the city of Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus will return just like he came the first time. He said he would. He said he'd come again and he's going to come again. But that second coming has a first advent and it's a period of time. 
that we're talking about seven years. And at the beginning of that seven years, before the Lord physically ever sets his feet on this planet, the Lord Jesus will step out on the clouds seven years before that and say, come up hither and he'll remove the church. The first advent of the second coming is the rapture or the removal of the church. Revelation 3.10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience... I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. God's going to take out vengeance and wrath on this ungodly world. And we all know that. We see that coming. But please don't miss your boat, friend. Before that wrath of God ever starts on this planet, God will remove his church, Brother Mark. He is not going to take a bride for himself and then beat her and bash her and bang her around. He's going to take her out of the way. There's one thing I thank God I will never have to experience the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary and took the wrath of God for me and I'll never have to take the wrath of God. God may have to chastise me. He may have to correct me. But I'll never know what it is for God to be mad at me. Hey, praise God, that's good, ain't it? First Thessalonians 5, 1 says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Hey, why don't he have to write to us concerning that? We have the Spirit of God in us. Hey, we, we know there's something taking place around us. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety... Hey, what are they talking about right now? I mean, war on every hand, wars and rumors of wars on every hand. And they're all talking, peace, peace. The Antichrist is going to come out. The very beginning of the tribulation will be marked by a peace treaty that the Antichrist will bring before the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel will enter into a peace agreement with the Antichrist. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Any of you ladies ever had a child, you understand you carry that baby in your womb with great expectation. Miss Sally, for nine months of that gestation period, there's an expectation and there's going to come a day. You know, you know that, Johnny, you know that there's going to come a day. That child's going to come and you can talk about it and think about it, but you you ain't in control of it. It's going to come when it comes. But let me tell you something, sweetheart. When that baby gets ready to come, there ain't nothing you can do to stop it. It's coming. And the Word of God said the judgment of God's going to fall like travail on a woman. And once it starts, buddy, it don't matter how long you knew it's coming, you ain't going to stop it. It's coming, friend. Upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 9 says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 1 6 says, Sing. It's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled rest with us 
when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Second Peter 3, 3 says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Hey, this bunch of tree huggers, they think this world's going to last forever. I mean, they want us to recycle everything coming and going, and we've got to take care of Mother Earth. They say, I don't recycle. I ain't planning on being here that long. <laughs> I believe this book, the Word of God said it ain't. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the Word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, and whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same Word are kept in store. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, according to verse 10, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we... According to the promise, look for new heavens and for a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hey, listen, friend, God's going to burn this thing up one day and the, the world can't see it and don't understand it. Genesis 5.22 says that in it walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch, when did Enoch leave this world? When did Enoch disappear? Enoch disappeared before the flood came. Yeah, you, hey, this bunch of scoffers and God deniers and unbelievers, they say, preacher, man, you believe all that foolishness about a flood? Brother Mark, there are 138 or 139 separate cultures across the world today from Indian tribes in Alabama and Mississippi and Indian tribes in the western United States and western Canada. There are literally, literally scores of cultures of people that have a legend about a man surviving a flood in a boat with a bunch of animals. You can't teach scientists much. I'm going to tell you what, it happened just like God said it happened. There's records of it happening. I mean, Brother Mark, all you got to do is go drive through the state of Wyoming. The evidence is everywhere you look. 
but the world don't want to see that because the world don't want to believe that one day God is going to judge this ungodly world again and it won't be by water next time. It's going to be by fire. And, and listen, I do not discount this. I do not, I don't have the answer, but I know the word of God said this world is going to be on fire. You say that sounds like nuclear holocaust. It very well may be nuclear. The Lord God Almighty may very well let these rogue nations turn their nuclear weapons loose. But thank God, Brother Mark, I'm not going to be here. It ain't going to matter to me what they do. Matthew 24, 37 said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood... What day is that? That's the day we're living in right now. Yes, sir. The days before the flood. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I'll give you some reasons some folks miss their boat, friend. Number one reason I believe folks miss their boat today is they delay. Folks are so consumed with the pleasures and the comforts of this present world that knowing the judgments of God and knowing what they may face and the consequences thereof men will make a conscious choice that they'll wait a little longer. Hey, I'll just hold out a little longer. Hey, I understand I need to get right with God, just not right now. I understand I need to go to church. I need to get serious about this, but just not right now. Hey, preacher, I got some living to do. I got some things I want to get done. I want to sow some wild oats. And preacher, we believe what you're saying. And why I'm going to get right with God one day. You just watch. I see folks all the time say, Preacher, I'm going to surprise you one day and come to church. You just wait and see. I ain't holding my breath. And it'll be a surprise. Because I don't believe they're coming, brother. I don't believe it. Man in his unregenerate state does not want to be bothered and does not want to have to face reality. And man in his unregenerate state does not want to have to deal with unpleasant circumstances. Sister Laura has an uncle right now. And he's made a plea bargain. He got caught in the drug business. And I'm very sorry. That breaks my heart. I don't glory in his shame. But listen, if he's not ashamed to do it, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to tell it. Got caught selling drugs. He's, he's, a, he's a senior adult. He's a very mature man. And I'm not exactly sure. It seems like seven years or something, seven and a half years that he's plea bargained to. And Brother Jesse, there's a very good chance of when he walks in that prison, he'll probably never come out. Brother Mark, for months now, as he's gone before the judge, he's already made the plea bargain. He's asked his lawyers over and over again. He's went through surgeries. He's went through all kinds of medical procedures to try to get them to put off the inevitable and keeps going to the judge because he knows the day that he has his official hearing, they're going to send him off that day and he'll probably have a, never have another free day the rest of his life. Brother Jesse, that's just how humans are. They put things off as long as they can put things off. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You ever had a bill? You ever had a bill? 
And you put that thing off as long as you could. You say, I'm going to deal with it. And your wife says, well, honey, you better pay that. And you say, well, I'm going to deal with it. You, you say, preacher, why are you talking like that? Because I've been right there. And i got the money in my pocket to pay that bill. But there's something in me hates to turn loose of it so bad. And I want to keep it to the last minute. It's like paying the county taxes. I mean, you just want to hold on to it as long as you can before you let that bunch of devils have it. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what people do. People don't want to deal with their sin. They don't want to deal with their iniquity. They don't want to have to come clean before God. And they'll wait just as long as they can because man does not want to face the sin. And knowing the judgment of God, man will lull himself to sleep with aid of the devil. With every convenient lie that the devil can give a man that can say, hey, you can deal with this later. That day will never come with most people because man loves his sin. You know why men delay so long? Men, men love their sin. Hey, you, you tell them kids, you say, come in the house, it's time to clean up for supper, and they're playing outside on the four-wheeler, they're kicking a ball around, and they just keep lollygagging around and keep hanging around outside. Why is that, Miss Sean? Because they feel like what they're doing is more important than what you're telling them to do. And that's why men are going to go to hell and miss their boat, because they think what they're doing is more important than getting right with God. Friend, I tell you, there ain't nothing in this world compares to being right with God. Eating and drinking. I mean, just having pleasure and feeling good about themselves into a drunken stupor that Satan provides this entire world and has an excuse that says, wait, just one more day. Just one more day. I mean, just one more party. You know, just one more illicit affair, just one more joint. I mean, just one more night on the town. And and I'm going to get right with God, friend. I'm going to tell you the tragedy of that mess is you ain't in control. And you may come to a day, you may get ready to get right with God, but God ain't ready to get right with you. And the Holy Spirit of God won't call you, won't draw you. I know what this bunch of foolish religion tells you around here today, Brother James. You get right with God anytime you want to. I mean, God's just a gray-haired old grandpa sitting on the throne and popping volumes and worried about his little youngins. Well, I'm telling you, God's a sovereign, holy God. And Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I'll raise him up to the last day. And you don't get right with God anytime you want to. And men delay until the one day they'll miss their boat. They'll delay. And some deny. Some deny God is rightful place. Some deny they've even got a problem. I see folks in church all the time that deny they even have a problem. I love you. You're my family. But I see some of you from time to time that you will not even admit you have a problem. In Matthew 24, 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. That term marrying and giving in marriage in no way nullifies the, the sanctity of marriage. That's not what the Word of God is implying here, Brother Mark. But the Word of God here is saying that men are so bent on being in control of their own future. That they're making plans for a great future, but they're not making plans to meet God in judgment. James 4.14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life, even as a vapor, that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away? Listen to Luke 12, verse 15. The Word of God said, He said unto them, Take heed. 
Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of mamas and daddies working their fingers to the bone, working 16, 18 hours a day to provide something so one day their children can snort it up their nose. Amen. That's exactly the truth, and they can't see it. Folks are so blind. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God said. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Friend, you don't know what day your soul is going to be required of you. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. I was in the gun shop the other day and I saw a precious gentleman that was an old friend from years gone by, Brother Jesse. And I was in town. I believe we'd had lunch with Miss Shauna that day. And we we left town on the other side of Wilkesboro and there was a great traffic jam. And a lot of traffic. There had been an accident down the road. And I seen this man just the other day in the gun shop that was involved in that accident. Brother Mark, he had no idea. He was minding his own business. Him and his precious wife were just sitting in a traffic light at an intersection sitting still. There was a precious elderly gentleman that didn't mean anybody any harm, that had no malice in his heart, that didn't just decide I'm going to go out today and cause somebody harm. But that elderly gentleman wasn't familiar with that stretch of road, wasn't familiar with that intersection. And that elderly gentleman slammed into the back of my friend's car and that day my friend lost his wife suddenly but I'm telling you what can you even imagine can you even imagine Ricky just sitting out here in Bojangles in the stoplight I mean minding your own business just going home and planning to have Christmas with your family and making plans to buy presents and making plans for the Christmas play and all the things you make plans for and suddenly out of nowhere you lose your precious wife. But I'm going to tell you what, your life's a vapor, friend. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. Hey, you don't understand, friend. I'm telling you, this thing's short. It's quick. You don't have to be old to die, and you don't have to be sick. But I'm going to tell you what, the Word of God tells you, you don't have a promise of tomorrow. There was some, there was some that denied. They denied they said, God ain't never judged me, and therefore God ain't never going to judge me. Boy, that's, that's a lie of the devil. You say, preacher, I've been living like this for a long time. God ain't never judged me. Wait, it ain't over yet. He's going to. God's just had tenderness and love and mercy towards you. A lot of folks deny God his place in their life, but a lot of folks deny that there's a judgment coming. You're going to have to meet God one day. And some folks just disobeyed. What do you mean? There are some folks that literally just don't care. They don't care. 
There are folks sitting in this congregation today, and just to be perfectly honest, you know it and I know it, you just don't care. You really don't care. If you really cared, you'd do something about it. First Peter three eighteen, the Word of God said, For Christ also hath once suffered for the sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now this is a much confused verse among a lot of people, and you need to understand the context of what's being said here. There are some souls somewhere in prison. Where are they? It's the souls of unregenerate men that are in hell, Brother James, today under our feet. And the Word of God said Jesus, not physically, but by His Spirit, preached to those souls. When they were in prison, no. What good would that have done? Before they ever went to prison. When? Verse 20. Which sometime, that word sometime in your King James Bible means an extended period of time. How long? 120 years according to the word of God. Genesis chapter number 6. Which sometime were disobedient. When? When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing. How long was Noah preparing the ark? 120 years. This word of God says that during that 120 years, when that man of God Noah lived righteous in front of them and was a witness in front of them for 120 years, they disobeyed the word that Noah preached. Wherein few that are eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of people get that messed up and they say, well, preacher, the Word of God says you're saved by baptism. The Word of God don't say you're saved by baptism. It said baptism was a like figure. It was a picture. It was a typology. A typology of what? What was it that saved Noah and his family in that ark? The world around them, Brother Bob, was getting corrupter and corrupter every day. And what happened? God took that world away. God took that sin away. And the same water, which is a type of the Word, Word of God that washed away all that mess and judged all that mess of sin is the same water that floated that boat that took Noah away. You say, what's the, the light figure? That water is the judgment of God. Yeah, the light figure in baptism was with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, the water took my judgment. He took it from me. And now he sealed me from it and I won't ever have to be judged. But the Word of God said there were some that just disobeyed. Genesis 6, 4, the Word of God said there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. You say, what in the world is that talking about? Is that talking about demons that, that mated with, with human women? No, that ain't what that's talking about. That's talking about the sons of Cain. And the daughters of Abel. 
the polluted bloodline marrying with the holy bloodline. The polluted seed marrying with the holy seed. And it's talking about there were some great men that were mighty men even in the word of God. In later times there were men that were probably nine feet tall, Brother Mark. Giants in the earth. You say, what does that speak of, Brother Mike? That speaks of men that were self-sufficient that thought that they were 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And some of them were almost 10 feet tall, but they weren't bulletproof. And man thinks he's smarter than God. Man thinks he's got this thing figured out. Well, the Word of God said, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and fowls the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. God told Noah this and told Noah to build a boat. The world mocked Noah and made fun of him. And I can't even imagine the ridicule that Noah went through. For at this time in the history of the world, it's never rained. According to the word of God, there was a mist that went up out of the earth and watered the ground. It had never come a thunderstorm. That never had a spring shower. That never had rain before. And God told Noah, there's fixed to be a flood. And I want you to build a boat. And I could see them mock him and make fun of him and ridicule him and what he was doing. And this old crazy man saying the world's going to come to an end and God's going to judge everybody. And the imaginations of the hearts of men were only evil continually. Romans 1.29 said, being filled with all unrighteousness. Romans 1.18, let me start there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse number 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. The word of God said there would be inventors of evil things. If that, if that ain't a picture of the internet, I don't know what could be. And I heard just this past week on the news that there was a, a preacher that was sick, and they were, they were dressing him down, mocking him, making fun of him. That had made the statement that he believed that it wasn't right for a man or a woman to have a Facebook account on the internet without their spouse being involved in that account because of fornication and adultery. And the world was making fun of him, Brother Jesse. 
I got news for you, friend. I love you, and I'm your friend. And I got a lot of confidence in a lot of you, but I believe most of that Internet stuff's a bunch that comes straight out of the pits of the dam. You need to leave it alone. There's a whole lot of mess in there. You could save yourself a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of trouble if you just ain't involved in I love you and you're my family and you're my friends. I've never wrote a text message or never received one. I'd be ashamed for my wife to see and I read her most of what I do. I'm tell you what, when you get folks that's got to do stuff in secret and keep their passwords and keep their stuff where nobody else can see, but are you setting yourself up for a big fall, friend? I'm telling you, hey, listen, you don't have to like it. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the way it is. Hey, you want to save yourself some mess, you stay away from some mess. You leave some stuff alone. Hey, listen, praise God. Don't you need to read your Bible and pray? Amen. Why folks got so much time? They can't pray and they can't seek God and they can't find God, but they can flutter around on that internet all the time. I'm telling you, it's a bunch of hell that'll get you in trouble. Praise God now, I've got everybody's attention. They mock that man of God and they'll mock you. They'll make fun. Hey, they hate you. If you're going to stand for what's right, you're going, to stand, you're going to go against the grain of this world. And men harden their hearts. And men get to the place where men just don't care. I'm almost through. There's some that were disobedient. There's some that are deceived. Matthew 24 and verse number 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him. For to show him the buildings of the temple, and Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he said upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And he began to tell them what would take place just before the second coming of Christ. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end, and that's the end at the end of the seven years tribulation, not the beginning. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is all setting the stage, making the preparations for God to deal with his people, the nation of Israel. But over and over, and I'm almost through, Christ, he spelled this thing out that even a small child could have understood what he was saying. He made it simple. He made it clear. And today there's not one of you that will stand before God and say, I don't know better. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, you do know. Yes. You say, preacher, I don't know. Well, it's the things you do know that's giving you a fit. Right that's what gives you a problem this morning. Matthew twenty four thirty eight says, For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Listen to this in verse 39. 
and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Men so many times are deceived because they believe exactly what they want to believe. And I've had people time and time again that have looked at me and effectively said, Preacher, I don't care what you or that Bible says, I know what I believe. I've heard that I've heard that more than one time. People are deceived. You know why they're deceived? Because they won't be deceived. You know why folks in this quasi neo religious society that we live in are so deceived? They won't be. Brother Mark, they really want to believe that, that, that their poor old daddy that's dead and gone on that was a whoremonger and an adulterer and a drunkard and a pornographer and all that stuff. But when he was a little old young and he made a profession down to church and Bible school and they took a bunch of them out and baptized them and daddy could tell you about when he was baptized but daddy's lived a drunkard's life and daddy's lived a whoremonger's life and when he dies and he gets down that little metal box in a church, everybody wants to say, well, you know, he, may, he got saved when he was little. Now, I know I know he didn't always live right. I know he didn't always follow God like he should. Thank God, praise God, we'll see him over in glory one day. Y'all ain't that foolish, are you? There's a whole lot of folks that are deceived today, Brother James, that really believe they're right with God. And, and, I, and I mean that with all my heart. They believe they're right with God. And there's multitudes of men that have played games with the holy things of God. They played the religious routine to the fact that they cannot tell fact from fiction and cannot tell truth from tradition. Hey, that's the community we live in, whether we like that or not. People have played with the holy things of God so long, they don't know the difference between what's Bible truth and what's tradition. I mean, they'll ride back and say, Preacher, the Word of God said God helps them that help themselves. <laughs> what Bible you read? It ain't in this one. Because that's just some foolishness people said. And you get some old granny and she's wicked as the devil, full of demons. And she can shout and, and praise God and quote Bible verses in one breath and the next breath cuss a blue streak. Yeah, they live right here on this hill. And that's the testimony they left. Folks died in their old age and they'd be quoting Bible verses in one breath and cussing in the next. Wicked, wicked, Brother Jesse, full of demons, full of religious devils. Deceived, how'd they get that deceived, Miss Allie? Playing, playing with the holy things of God. But I'm going to tell you what, you play with the holy things of God long enough that you'll so blur the lines. You can't tell which side you're on. And then 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says this. This happens immediately after the rapture of the church. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why did they perish? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, God's going to remove the Holy Spirit of God one day when He removes the church. The ministration of the Spirit of God will be different during the seven years' tribulation than it is today. The church won't be here. Brother Mark, there's going to be a transitional period. 
that transitions into that period. And that strong delusion, Miss Pat's already alive and well today. That spirit of Antichrist is already alive and well today. And there are multitudes that are deceived. And they believe. They'd fight with you because they're sincere. And I and I listen, I have a I have a pastor friend and I love him, and he is my friend. And his precious mother is so deceived that I have heard her say that it really doesn't matter. God knows that it really doesn't matter what somebody believes just as long as you're sincere. How ungodly. How unscriptural. But this scripture tells you plainly what you better believe. Oh, it don't matter what folks believe. Well, you know all these Muslims, they've just been tricked and God knows their heart and God knows that they're really good people and just because they believe in in, in some foolishness about Mohammed and the Koran and all that stuff. Why, why they're going to be Muslims in heaven? Not the one I'm going to. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's pretty narrow, ain't it? That cuts out a whole lot of mess. That cuts the fat off a whole bunch of mess, don't Bob? Jesus said, I'm the way. And if you're going to get to the Father, you're going to come through me. And I'm begging you, friend, please don't miss your boat. Because God's let that boat of grace sail by our way a lot of times. And I'm afraid, and it scares me to death, that one of the greatest problems we face right here in this congregation is delay. There, folks, you believe what I'm saying is true. Intellectually, to a certain extent, you don't believe that preacher Mike's lying to you. You believe I'm sincere about what I'm saying, and you believe that it's true enough. You ought to investigate it. Just not right now. I'll deal with that someday. And if God ever picks me up by the bootstraps and picks me up by my belt loop and throws me out in the altar, I'll get right. You'll die and go to hell because God ain't going to do that. I love you, friend. God, hey, listen, I know this ain't no new stuff this morning. But I'm telling you what God laid on my heart was we need to be told the same old story over and over and over again because there's some of you that sit right here. You still ain't got it. You still ain't got a hold of what preacher Mike's saying. There are folks that will come into this congregation, and I don't think you mean to. I don't think it's in your heart that you mean to. You have been so deceived by the devil. You've been so blinded by religion. You've been blinded by your own pride, by your own feelings, and by your own foolishness that you're going to grit your teeth and go to hell because you're never going to admit you're wrong. There's some that are going to delay. There's some that are going to deny there's some that are just going to disobey, Brother Mark. They don't care what anybody says. They're going to do what they're going to do. And there are going to be some that are just going to be deceived. You know why they're going to be deceived? They want to believe a lie. I had this happen. Sister Lori and I hadn't been married very long, and we had a couple of real good friends, and they wasn't married, shacked up living together, and, and, and we, were, we were lost at the time, and we, they, we were just friends with them. I never will forget, Miss Lord, it happens like this time and time and time again. That I caught wind right quick. That old boy was seeing every girl he could see everywhere up and down the road. She was trying to be faithful to him, wanting to set up housekeeping, wanting to be married, and wanting to do better. And Brother Mark, all he was interested in running around chasing some other gal. And finally, I got fed up with that thing, and finally, I knew what the deal was. 
And Brother Ricky, I made the mass mistake of telling her. Y'all know what happened next, don't you? That's my fault. I'm the bad guy. I'm just trying to do everybody damage here. I'm trying to hurt everybody. Well, I was getting blamed for stuff before I was the preacher. <laughs> you know why that is, don't you, Brother Wesley? She didn't want to know the truth. She didn't want to know. She didn't want to see how things really were. Their mamas and daddies all across this country today that do not want to see where their children are. But they don't want to see what a deep ditch they helped them dig. They don't want to see it. They won't look at it. They won't blame everybody else for their problems and they don't want to come back and listen, these things come back on you and roost, friend. And you can pretend they ain't there if you want to, but they're there. And man's gotta be real. Man's gotta be realistic. And come before God with a humble heart and say, God, I'm in trouble and I need help. And I'm telling you this book says that God's fixing to judge this ungodly world. The Word of God said that in the last days would be perilous times. That means dangerous. Brother Ricky, a precious little old family up in Ohio just disappeared a couple of weeks ago. And I told you a Sunday or two ago that they found the bodies of all that family except one little 13-year-old girl. They found her bound and gagged in the basement. They found her mother, her brother, and her mother's friend hacked up in little pieces in trash bags. Just this week in Tallahassee, Florida, they found an entire family murdered. And Bob, that has got so common that when you listen to the news, man, they pass over that just like they're talking about some foolishness don't even matter. Miss Nita, it's become so common in the day that we live in. People are not moved and they're not touched by people that are full of demons that would literally take people in their home and cut their bodies. We live in perilous times. We're living in the end of the last days, friend. And Jesus Christ has loved you enough to set aside a man of God, to set aside a place you could come to where you could hear a gospel message and God would send a boat of grace by to pick you up. And I beg you as one that loves you, don't miss your boat. There's going to come a day, there ain't going to be another one come by. And once you've missed it, it's going to be your own fault. And I love you and I'm your friend, but you hear what I say. And you hear it in the context that I say it in. If you spit in the face of Jesus Christ, you spit on his mercy, you spit on his grace, and you trample on his blood when you wake up in the fire pits, the damned, you deserve it. Hey, you wouldn't deserve it if God hadn't offered you a way out. If God hadn't offered you mercy. But I'm going to tell you what, God told Noah to build a boat. And he looked like a fool to the rest of the world, brother. He looked like a fool. But I'm going to tell you what, there's still a few. And I tell this every once in a while, I just like it. I can't, I can't help it, Brother Ricky, I like it. When it comes time to put them animals on that boat, Miss Linda, I don't find in the Scripture that Noah and his boys got them a horse and some ropes and went out and lassoed and drug them animals on that boat. Brother Mark, I'm absolutely convinced there's a couple old deer standing out in the corner of the field chewing on some clover. There's a big old buck, and he's the, he's the daddy rabbit of that bunch. And that little old doe that's running with him looks up at him and says, What in the world do you keep looking up there at that boat for? I could see that big old daddy buck deer look down at that little doe, and he said, You know, I got the strangest urge. To go get on that boat. <laughs> That's the drawing power. 
Hey, why do you think God's brought some of you in here so you could hear the gospel? Hey, why you, hey, Bob, why do you think you're even here? I mean, why do you think you're here, darling? Why do you think you're here, Jesse? Why do you think brought you in that building up there? Miss Nina, why do you think brought you here? Pat, what in the world brought you here? What brought you here, Megan? It was the drawing power of the Holy Ghost of God. And if God had loved you enough to draw you, I bet you don't miss your boat. Since you fix and pull out of here. And there's some of you, I love you. And I'm your friend. And I beg you, please don't let pride and arrogance and a bunch of mess in your mind stop you from getting on the boat. God loves you, son. She's fixing to sail. She's fixing to pull out of here. And when it's gone, it's Amen. gone. And buddy, you're going to be left with the whole mess. The whole mess. I love you. You can have all my stuff. It ain't going to matter to me. Everything I got, you can have. Antichrist will help you pay the bills. Buddy, tribulation is coming. And God put this in my heart, Brother Jesse, for a reason. God's fixed to judge this world. You say, preacher, well, preacher's been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, guess what? We're 2,000 years closer to it than we was when it started. We're at the end. I love you. There's help. There's help. Miss Jamie, this thing of salvation is a whole lot more than running to an altar and crying and praying. It's when you feel that drawing power that you're willing to go. That you're willing to be changed. You're willing to let God have your life. And, and willing. But I'm going to tell you what. The power of the Holy Ghost of God still drawing men. If we wasn't, Brother Ricky, we'd be gone. Right. He's trying to help you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And I love you.